Welcome to the Ground Zero Fitness Podcast, the podcast for the fitness beginner. I'm your host, Sam Kraft, sitting alongside my friend Kyle Chin. Getting started in fitness, especially if you've never been to the gym or worked out before, is a daunting task. We've developed this podcast to help listeners get their start in fitness, to help them get strong, stay strong, and enjoy what life has to offer. We discuss the why and how of strength, nutrition, and health so that people can be better versions of themselves for a lifetime. If you enjoy this episode or are able to pull anything useful out of it, we ask just one fee, and that's just tell somebody who may need this info about it. Welcome back to the Ground Zero Fitness Podcast. We've got another guest on today. And he has a BS in sport and exercise science, is a personal trainer and a competitive power lifter. He's also from Liverpool, England, and is a fantastic dude. He's best known on Twitter for documenting and showing his transition from being 261 pounds. And he kind of looked like a normal dude that you would see in a bar in Liverpool at that point to 215 pounds. And he's ripped and like looks like a movie star like chris hemsworth and probably even better like you're looking like you look at you look at him and he's like a greek god but you know he gives out some of the most blunt and honest training advice on twitter and is an absolute beast so welcome to the show francis well, happy to be here. i've been waiting to come on this for a while now since you said you were going to do the podcast looking forward to it yeah, you were on the you were on the top of the list as soon as we were thinking about getting guests on and stuff. So this is going to be a good conversation yeah. for sure. Looking forward to it. Yeah. So can you can you kind of just give us a rundown of your story, uh, how you grew up, and then how you got into training and coaching? Yeah. So I I was quite a, an active kid. I used to spend a lot of my teenage years playing Call of Duty like everybody else did, and. I never really done any sort of exercise. So I got to like the age of 15, 16. And I think you said something about it, Sam, where you remember you used to sit there and you'd have um, man boobs. I used to have yeah. I was like yeah. 15. And I thought, right, something needs to change. I can't be going around with man boobs anymore. So I got myself in the gym and I was hooked instantly. After like the first year or two of training, I didn't train properly. It was a lot of machines. But I was getting moving, but then once I turned like 17, 18, and I got introduced to a barbell, things just changed, and me, me life has just changed ever since. Since I, since that first deadlift, I can remember my first deadlift session, and life has just been great ever since. <laughs> that's really. that's kind of a common theme. Deadlifts make life great. So, yeah. <laughs> so how did you make that that transition from just being a lifter? You got into when did you get into powerlifting and stuff? So I started, I actually, so I started training when I was 16, but I wouldn't say I was training properly for the first year or two. I was just getting moving. And then once I turned 18, I, I probably started lifting a barbell in three weeks. And then I probably spent five years of just learning things and trial and error in the gym. And I got to about 23. And that's when I started powerlifting. I'd done my first meet. I'm now 26. So I've been powerlifting for here on three years with like five years of prior experience. So I just, I was just lifting weights in the gym for just getting used to the, all the barbell movements, but I wanted something a bit more competitive. I wanted to satisfy that competitive age because it's just in us, isn't it? I don't know what it is. I can't, I can't explain it. I just wanted to pit myself against others and see 
I want to be stronger than him. I want to see how much he can lift. I know I don't preach that in the um, community, but that's what deep down we all want to be competitive, don't we? So yeah. mm-hmm. I just wanted to pit myself against other lifters and just see if I could excel my performance and prepare it to better levels. And ever since I've stepped foot into powerlifting, it's just, it's lit a fire under my arse with training. So does that make sense? Just, I think sometimes just training in the gym for health and longevity, that's cool. And if someone wants to do that, but, but for me, I need that competitive outlet. It just, it really, it drives me training. I'm a weirdo like that. that yeah, no, me, but 100% get that. Yeah. That's all it worked for me. So what did you, what did you do in your first two years of training? Because you said you were just moving around. Yeah. How so, did you get into it? What were you doing with, with the machines and all that? So I don't know what the equivalent is to in America and in Canada, what sort of gyms you have, but is the, is the sort of gym, which it's not a hardcore gym. It just has a lot of machines and the dumbbells only go up to like 50 pounds. Do you know what type of gym I'm talking about? Yeah, like, you're, a, you're like typical a commercial gym. Yeah, typical commercial gym. I started off in there and was genuinely just doing a lot of chest press machines and, you know, just it's basically shit really isn't it let's be honest it's it's not what, <laughs> it's not what you want to be doing but that's what i was doing and i was getting moving uh, i was i maxed out the dumbbells after like a year so 50 pounds i could press them doing shoulder press so i was ready to take this step into a, a big boy gym basically but <laughs> but I, I built my foundation in like a commercial gym which wasn't a bad thing but if i had my time again i would have stepped foot straight away into a hardcore gym and learn the basic lift straight away. So what did you know how to do when you first got into the gym? I didn't. I just got on Google and searched any type of training programs. And I remember I used to I used to train five days a week and I'd do the same sets and reps, the same movements every single day, five days a week straight. And it was just <laughs> it was stupid. But that's what I'd done for my first year. And I think everyone's got some story of them doing some stupid shit with training, but that's what I done. I done it for the first year, and then I started to experience certain things, what works and what didn't, and just started to fine tune things really. So you know, you trained, you got into powerlifting, and can you can you kind of tell us a little bit about the first your first meet? Because I think that's a that's just a whole nother experience for a lifter. So you can kind of walk us through what the feeling was like during that first powerlifting meet you had. So with a powerlifting meet, you, you go from lifting in the gym when everything everything's on your terms, you turn up at whatever time you want to train. You don't have to worry about the flight you're in or what, what other lifters are doing. When you turn up to a, a powerlifting competition, you've got a set time that you can lift at. And you've got to warm up and take into account all the other lifters and it's a competition day. So you've got the nerves and the adrenaline, which you don't really have to deal with as much when you're, when you're training on your own and you're setting a PR in the gym. It's just, it's just you, you're on your own. But when you've got a crowd watching you and you've got, you've got to put some skin in the game and you've got to put yourself on show because if there's a crowd of 100 people watching you and you get fucking stuck at the bottom of a squat... It's not the it's not the best feeling in the world, is it? But <laughs> you've just got to you've got to be able to don't be don't be worried about failing and just getting yourself out on the platform. But my old first experience with my first meet, it was I loved every second of it. I absolutely loved it. 
And I, I think of I think of it now because I haven't competed in a year with the whole COVID situation. But I can't fucking wait to get back out there, you know. I really just I can't wait to hoist that, that third deadlift up an UPB or PR. I just there's nothing better than that. I'd I'd advise everyone who's ever thinking about competing to just fucking get yourself on that platform and you won't regret it. It's fucking brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> So for any any beginners that are listening to this, powerlifting is kind of um, a type of lifting where it's a competitive style where you're doing squat, bench, deadlift, yeah. and you get three attempts on every movement. Yeah. Um, and and you go into competition for it. So, like Francis said, he he waits, he warms up, and then he'll go up on a stage on a platform, and then he has three three um three refs, right? Yeah, three refs. He has three refs that will judge him on his lift. And let's say he doesn't hit squat depth, then they're going to wave him on the lift or they'll give him a red instead of a white or a green. It's a white or green, right? Something like that. And then... Yeah. It's, 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 if you pass the lift, you get um, three white lights. You need at least two out of three to the, yep. get the lift passed. Yep. And they do that for the squat and bench. Squat, yeah. bench, and deadlift. Yeah. So for any beginners listening to this and kind of confused on what powerlifting is that's like a general rundown of what it is and francis is one of the best at it <laughs> yeah absolute beast so um and then you know you you kind of blew up on twitter with your your little transition from 260 pounds down to 215 pounds and i don't remember what that is in kilos i know that's what that's what you you do over there but you know, can you can you walk us through what what that was like? Um, I'm assuming most of it was pretty intentional. Like, did you kind of do like that bulk up and then to that weight and then you cut down? So, can you walk us through yeah. that? So, the whole process. I'll just I'll I'll start from the beginning because yes. my my old point of view. So, with powerlifting, you know, there's weight classes. So. I was in between when I first started powerlifting. I weighed 105 kilos, which for you might be 230, 230 pounds. Yeah, 230. Like that. yeah, that's what I weighed. Now, at my height of six foot four, I'm gonna be. I'm one of the. You know, that's quite tall for a lifter. So, in order at six foot four to really fill out your proportions, you need to, the most of the best lifters are at the weighing 120 plus with a lot of muscle mass and the fucking jacked. If you've ever seen any of the, um, you've ever seen a tall lifter who's six foot four and weighs two sixty, they're they're absolute beasts. It's 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 phenomenal. But at my height, I need to try and fill this weight class out as best as I can. So I spent about eighteen months to two years getting myself from one hundred five to one hundred and twenty kilograms. Now, obviously, that wasn't all muscle, as you can see by the photos. But it was intention. I done it intentionally to see how much muscle mass I could put on and see where I could get in my competitions. The last competition, which was last year, last December, I competed around 115 kilos. Now, I felt quite fat, if I'm being honest. I felt quite fluffy, but it was part of the process. And I always advise lifters, don't be scared to get a little bit fluffy because you can lose fat easily. That's easy. What's hard is building muscle and strength. That takes a long time. So I'd done that. I got to 115 kilos. That was last December. Come to the new year in January. 
and my intention was to compete this summer and fill 120 out properly. So I weighed 115. I wanted to add another 10 pounds and just fill out 120 and be fat and happy. That was my plan and lift loads of weight. <laughs> but obviously, COVID happened, which was around March, and I was deep in, into me sort of bulk or just gaining weight. And I was weighing 118, 119 kilos. So that was in March. So COVID hit. I brought all my gym equipment home from our gym and I was training in the garden. I didn't really know what to do. So we got to, got to like a month through the lockdown. So from March to the end of April. And I thought, right, I need to, I need to make a change now because there's going to be no competition for a while. Let's, let's change my body composition to set myself up to rebound out and then fill this weight class out with a much better body composi- composition. So I decided, right, I'm going to go for 120 and I'm just going to get myself down as lean as possible. Absolutely shredded to fuck. I just wanted to do it. I needed a goal and that's what I've done. I just, I set my calories and I've done all my workouts, got my steps in every single day. Consistently for 18 weeks, I didn't, didn't budge off it for one day. There was no slip-ups, absolutely nothing. I'm a weird old me. When I get something in my head, I have to do it. And I'll stop it not on until I do it. So I just spent 18 weeks just ruthless, ruthlessly doing it. And that's what I, where I ended up was on the pitches afterwards. But my whole thinking was I wanted to get myself lean so I could then rebound out now. And that's what I'm currently doing now. I was 97 kilos when I finished the cut. That's about 215, I think. Is yep. that what it is? Yep. And currently, yep. I'm about 101, which is 223. So I'm just rebounding now slowly now. And I'm going to slowly progress up to about 110 kilos again. So what's 110 in pounds? 240-ish? 240, 230, yeah, 240. 240, something yeah. like that, yeah. So that's my plan now. It's just to, I'm slowly, each month, if I can try and add a couple of pounds and get myself to 110, and just try and be as strong as I've ever been. That's me plan. So for anyone, another thing that people may not understand is why you're intentionally gaining weight. Um, beginners just want to lose weight. They want to build muscle and they just want to look as lean as possible. Yeah. But Francis, on the other hand, was doing it for powerlifting because usually the more weight you add onto yourself, the more pounds you weigh, the, the stronger you are. Yeah. So, so Francis's mentality is that if he gets if he gets a little bit heavier, then his lifts will go up in weight. But for, for most beginners, they're thinking, I want to be as lean as possible and build as much muscle as possible. But you've got to understand that to put on muscle, you have to put on a little bit of weight. As Francis said, don't be don't be scared of being a little fluffy sometimes because okay. <laughs> that, that's when you actually have a ton of muscle that you're building and you don't even know it yet. But you can cut whenever you want just because you already have the muscle underneath the fat and you'll look 10 times better building the muscle than you will just trying to trying to stay lean and slowly build muscle over the years. Yeah, definitely agree with that. Francis, can we talk a little bit about your diet before you started doing the cut? What yeah. were you what were you eating before all that? So my diet is to to get that to get that heavy, I wasn't eating plenty of shit food. I was eating a lot of good food. It was just I was just eating too many calories. I was probably on about four thousand seven hundred calories a day, with like six hundred grams of carbs 
and I didn't die. Yes. So don't worry about that. I'm still here now to live to tell a tale. So carbs are great. I <laughs> love carbs. But yeah, I was just eating plenty of plenty of steak, plenty of rice, just plenty of stuff that I had to eat when I was dieting, but just in more quantities. And I just slowly gained weight to the point where I, I was I felt fat and I needed to make a change. But even when I was dieting, I was eating exactly the same foods, just in less quantities. Yep. That's perfect that you said that because you've always been living that healthy lifestyle. You just chose to eat a lot more to gain the weight. Yeah. So cutting for you would have been easier because you already had all those habits in place on what you eat and how you eat. All you had to do was just lower those portion sizes, yeah. right? Definitely. That was it. Just flip the switch and you, you set your calories to put yourself on a calorie deficit. It's simple. It's just about having the discipline to do so. And that's where a lot of people fail is that the, that's why I think a lot of people demonize carbs. It's because they've built some bad habits, which have got them fat and overweight by eating pizza and ice cream. But when you do it properly and you, you use your carbs for fuel and performance in the gym, I don't look at carbs as the enemy. When I'm dieting, I just switch. I just lower my carbs and base them around me training and use them when I need them most. I have got no issue with carbs. The people who've got a problem with carbs are the ones who've got psychological issues. I've had issues <laughs> in the past with them. And that's just the fact. Um, I don't know, people might disagree with me, but it seems like the keto cult, they're the ones who have been overweight in the past and have been shoveling pizza and shite down the mouth. They're the ones who've got a problem. But someone who trains properly can utilize carbs, no problem. And they shouldn't be telling people, and especially young lifters who are trying to build some muscle and get in shape, that carbs are evil. Because they're not. That's just, it's, that's just stupid information. And I, just, I hate all the bullshit that gets put out in the industry. And that's, that's what carbs. gets me too. That gets me too, because I, I work with a lot of high school age athletes and college age athletes. And I'll always kind of point them towards, you know, fitness Twitter and some of that, like there's a lot of good information on there. And I've, I actually had a 17 year old kid one time come up and say, I fasted this weekend because I saw it online and it does, it increases testosterone and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, you are 155 pounds and you're trying to be a college athlete. Like you need to be at 215 pounds. The last thing you need to do is fast. So I just, I'm with you there on a lot of that information, it may be low carb may be good for somebody who's extremely overweight and needs to get that figured out. But for most people who just need to put on 15 pounds of muscle, that is incredibly misleading in my yeah. opinion. So Definitely. yeah. 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 And you also talk about the types of carbs they're eating. Yes. Like you mentioned yeah. there's a difference between the simple carbs of like the sugars, the sweets and complex carbs, like your sweet potatoes, yeah. and all that stuff like there there's a difference right we're not telling you to eat junk food when we say carbs we're telling you to eat the the good stuff the complex carbs that will keep your energy level high for your workout um i don't even know if i should bring this up but like intro workout carbs yeah do you do, you do yeah. that francis of course i do 100 yeah. percent. even when i was dieting i made sure i had into workout carbs because when you're dieting this is the difference when you've got a lot of muscle mass on you you need carbohydrates around your warehouse. There is not a chance that I could go in. And I'm I'm not coming at this with a with an ego or trying to show off. But if you're going in and you're deadlifting 500 pounds for sets of six, 
good job trying, go and try and do that on no carbs. Like, <laughs> go and try and do that. I, I challenge you, all, you, you keto cults, go in the gym and try and pull five plates faster than on no carbs. You'll get fucking buried by it. It's just, it's just complete bullshit, and that, that's what annoys me. Like, when I was dieting, I put a lot, I'd have about 150 grams of carbs pre-warehouse, and probably like an inch of warehouse of 30 grams, and I never felt fatigued or tired once because I utilized the carbs all around my warehouse when I needed them. I didn't need me carbohydrates in the night after my warehouse. That's where I'd have a lot of protein and a lot of me veggies to fill the plate out. I didn't need carbs at 10 o'clock at night. I needed them around midday when I was training, so that's when I ate them, and that's when carbs are perfectly fine. Yep, I was. This is actually really funny because I was I was talking to Sam and Marcus the other day, and I was telling them how I, so I I cut 10, 10 pounds. Was that five kilos? Five kilos in two and a half months, so ten what, six weeks, mm-hmm. and I I strategized my carbs so that I I put them around my workout, but outside of that i wouldn't eat any carbs and and i was telling them that and they're like oh secretly you've been on the low carb gang the entire time without telling us he's also turns out he's on the fasting game which i was unaware <laughs> of as well <laughs> yeah so i usually eat eat carbs around my workout but if i'm not doing anything then i don't really need the carbs so my workouts are usually at night so i'll eat them closer to nighttime but during the day i'm just eating mainly protein Mm. it makes sense you know that's that's why i don't understand where they sit where the keto cults say like you know carbs are evil well if you've got a lot of muscle mass on you and you're, you're training and you're lifting heavy weights four to five times a week why can't you utilize carbs where where is your argument there it just doesn't make sense to me yep can, can you kind of break down what what carbs are and why you need them well basically your carbohydrates they are it's your main source of energy like anyone who tells me that fat is your main source of energy, it's not. It's carbohydrates. I, what I say with keto, this is my whole approach to keto. It's like driving a car with fucking three wheels that are bust and one's working. You still get to your destination, but you're gonna get there a lot fucking slower, and it's just it's just a nightmare. So why do it? I'd rather me four tires be pumped up properly and get me where I need to go, and that's what I the way I look at carbohydrates as fuel. Simple as that. Yeah, I, I've heard of it as like an electric or like a hybrid car analogy. When you're running on ketones, whatever the hell that means, it's like you're running on electricity, so you can't go very fast. Yeah. But like carbs, it's like actually putting the pedal to the metal and burning gas. And you know, carbs are rocket fuel. Yeah, oh, they are rocket fuel. They yes. really are. Exactly. <laughs> Which is why some of us intentionally eat them three times a day. But anyway, <laughs> so, um, you know, we've obviously kind of gotten into some of the frustrations, um, like with the carbs and the keto and how that misguides beginners. But like, what are some other things that you're, that you see like some that, what, what are some other stuff that you see that misguides beginners at the beginning, especially with training? Mm, training. them. I think a lot of lifters they try to they try to major in the minor straight away. So they come in the gym and I've had this myself with clients who are training in person. They come into me and they, they say, I've just been training for six months and I've 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 got nowhere where I need to be. And I say, I ask them, Well, what have you been doing? And they'll reply, Oh, I've been going into an arm warehouse. 
So if you're a beginner and you're going in the gym, spending an hour training biceps, what the fuck are you doing? Like, that's just not what you need to be doing whatsoever. You need to go in and you need to focus on the compound lift, the main basics, learn how to squat, learn how to deadlift, learn all your presses, your vertical presses, horizontal presses, or your same for rows. Learn how to do the basics properly over time. Spend a couple of years doing that. Eat plenty of food. And that's your basic foundation of what a lot of majority of new lifters need to do. Coming in and doing plenty of isolation work, it's just not the play. That's just not what you want to do. So that's one of the main things I see is that a lot of people, they just focus too much on isolation work. And as a beginner, that's not the way to go. Yep. You see you see beginners doing six-day push-pull legs nowadays, which makes no complete sense as a beginner. Like you'd rather do three times full body rather than pump it up to six days a week and, and work on majority accessory movements. Yeah. And and Sam and I talked about this in, in a previous episode. One of our first few episodes was just about how beginners should be worried about compound lifts rather than accessories all the time. Because you, you literally don't have muscle anywhere in your body. And the best way you can progress to build muscle is by literally hitting those compound lifts, which hit multiple muscle parts and you're you're building it as fast as you can. Definitely. That's that's the way to do it. Like if you take your bench press, if you come in and you're a beginner and you take your bench press from you can bench press 70 pounds for 10 reps. Within a year, if you can take that to 185 pounds for 10, for example, your chest is gonna be bigger, your delts and triceps are gonna be bigger. So why fuck around on cable crossovers and fucking flies when you can do that with your bench press and build plenty of muscle? It just doesn't make sense. Do the basics and do them well. Yep. And I think here's here's what, what I observe is people new to the gym, they're not afraid of machines. They're not afraid of cables. They're not afraid of you know, treadmills and all of that bullshit, but they are afraid of getting under a barbell for whatever reason. It's just like, it's, it actually takes some coordination and some, some movement skill to be able to do. Um, so how have you, how have you gone about getting, you know, your clients and people around you into barbell training? So in, in regards to a squat, not everyone who comes in, can put a barbell on the back straight away and start squatting. I've seen some horrific techniques, as you probably have yourself. Oh, yeah. That's that, that happens. That's part of it. So if someone comes into me and they can't squat with a barbell, one of the first things I'll try and do, it will, will start on even just something so simple as bodyweight squats and goblet squats with the dumbbell uh, held out in front of them. Something like that for a couple of weeks, it really it builds that the motor pattern for the squat. And then eventually, a couple of weeks down the line, we might be able to throw the barbell on the back and they might be able to reach proper depth and have the squat coordination. That's what I always do with the squat and it seems to work quite well. As far as a deadlift, if someone has real issues with a conventional straight bar deadlift, I'll just I'll throw them on a trap bar, even if it's just for a couple of weeks, couple of months. A trap bar, it's, it's pretty hard to mess a trap bar deadlift up. It's quite easy to learn. So I get people on that for a couple of weeks or a couple of months. And then I'll try and progress them to a straight bar deadlift, things like that. So they're just the progressions I'd use. Yeah, that's that's awesome that you mentioned it that way because I know a lot of beginners that get antsy 
and sometimes if like let's say let's say you want to get them started on a barbell squat but they literally cannot because they're 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 just all messed up in all sorts of ways so you put them under a body weight and the goblet squat and then they're they're just complaining the whole time asking why why am i not under a barbell yet why am i not under a barbell how how do you keep your clients or the people you train in line with the vision i like to uh, if i zoom goblet squats with them i always like to just i'll try and progress that as well so we'll progressively overload the goblet squat so for example say they're doing 20, 20 pounds on a goblet squat held 20 pound dumbbell the next week we might try 25 and then 30 the week after more sets and reps as we go on and i'll nail down to them that listen you've started the 20 pounds you're now on 35 pounds progression is happening your mobility is getting much better you're learning the squats they're pattern much better you're just moving you're moving like a human should do now so you are progressing so don't worry about the barbell it will come or just building your, your motor patterns now and getting yourself used to it. And when, when you put it across to them like that, they're a bit more receptive to it that way. Yeah, that's a it's a hard it's a hard transition if they aren't if they're really wanting to get into it, but because I've had I've had some clients to be like, just let's just squat, just let me squat. Well, no, everything you're doing is wrong. Like so uh, we we got to regress and getting beginners to understand that regressing from those movements down into something simpler like bodyweight squats or kettlebell or goblet squats is a lot better than that. And like uh, the same thing, same thing kind of with the deadlift. However, I think the deadlift initially is easier to get right or you can transition to yeah. to the trap bar for sure. So we found with, with, the, with the lower body as well, like with squats, I think getting people to do lunges straight away and like learning that single leg stability, that's one of, that's a big thing because you've probably seen it yourself where a lot of people have got no ankle mobility or hip stability whatsoever. And when you put them on a one-legged walk and lunges or a split squat, they're falling all over the place. There's no stability. Yeah, they're wobbly. Yeah, well, sometimes I'm the same myself when I haven't done lunges in a while. It happens to the best of us. But getting a beginner in and getting them to be able to be stable on each leg, it then transfers over then into a better squat because if you can't be stable on one leg, doing lunges or a unilateral version, you've got no you've got no chance of being stable when you get onto under a barbell. So I like to try and hammer some unilateral work and straight away, even just basic bodyweight lunges, it helps. Yeah. And uh something that we've pushed earlier in episodes in the podcast is the importance of, of strength and how that sets you up for whatever your goal could be, which is, you know, could be muscle building. It could be fat loss. So can you, can you tell us a little bit about the importance of strength? We want to hear your version of it. So the importance of strength to set you up for, you know, fat loss, muscle gain, competition, whatever it might be. Basically, I look at it, the more muscle mass and strength you have, you've just got a bigger engine. You've got a bigger engine to do whatever you want to do. Show me someone who's got more muscle mass and more strength, and he's got the potential to be faster, um, be more athletic, be more powerful, just everything. Strength is like strength is the base. It's the engine that everything runs off. So especially if you want to lose fat as well and you want to get yourself lean, have a more muscle on your body. It's like a cheat code for getting in shape. It genuinely is. 
this is what I say to beginners, it's just spend years building muscle, getting lean and having six pack abs, that'll come. That's that's doing that straight away is not the play. Spend time building some muscle mass. Take years to do it. And then when you do cut down, you look that much better. You don't want to just within your first year of training be worried about abs and, and you're too scared to lose abs because abs is not everything. I'd rather be big and strong and build me lifts up than be walking around skinny with abs. That's that's just my take on it. I don't know what you think. Yeah, a big question that we ask for every guest on this podcast is it, it takes time to to see results and people need to understand that. So when when do you think clients should worry about or when do they start seeing results? Well, I've got a, I've got a couple of clients. I don't know. If you, I, put, I put some pictures up uh, last week on two weeks ago. I've two two young lads. They are one was nineteen and one's around my age, uh, and they've been they've been training for about nine months. And you can see the before and after that they've added some muscle mass and they've started to get some definition and shape. And they'd never touched a barber in their life. So within six to nine months, like you can you'll definitely see some sort of changes if you're coming as a beginner. And you stick to it for that amount of time, six, a minimum six months, and you get your you get your diet in check. You make sure your protein intake is high. You're training properly at least minimum three times a week. I guarantee after like six to nine months, you will see a difference. I've seen it time and time again with people. Yep, we we mentioned it. All our guests mention it too. They say at least six months, but a lot of people don't have the patience. And Sam brought it up last episode that some clients go ask for help because they want you to get them right for their wedding, which is in about five weeks, six weeks. Right, Sam? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I've got a wedding that I need to get ready with. Okay, well, when's the wedding? Um, it's five weeks from now. It's like, well, why didn't you start this when you got engaged a year ago or whatever? Yeah, but, exactly. Yeah, so um, have you have you had to deal with uh, any clients like that who came in wanting extremely fast results and then did you – did you kind of change their mindset to make it more of a longer longevity process? That's one of the first things I always try and preach to my new clients. It's this is a process to do to do this properly. There's no quick fixes. There's there's no bullshit hacks. There's there's none of that. It takes consistent hard work and training properly. There's no not nothing you can do within four weeks. That's gonna get your fucking muscle, muscular and ripped or big and strong. This this shit takes years. Like I've been doing this for nearly a decade now, and I there's still things I don't know. I I just if I, if if that's coming from someone who's been doing it for a decade and there's still much to learn and there's plenty of muscle to add and strength to gain, how can a beginner who's been doing it for six months think that there there's nowhere left for them to go or? Think, you know, do you know what I mean? This, this, this stuff is is a process, and it, it takes time. It really does. Like I know it's in it the age old cliche, but I guarantee if a beginner comes in and they genuinely put like five years of training together, like consistent hard training, I guarantee they'll be a different person after five years of training. That's just fact. But you need to you need to look at it with this long term mindset. You should be training for life. Like I'm gonna be training until I'm fucking 70 80 plus that's that's the plan i'm going to be deadlifting till i'm that old that's the plan i just love it i love this shit honestly and that's what that's the message i try to get across to people is that this is a process don't try and cheat it or look for any quick fixes because you'll be disappointed there is not on the strength game 
It really isn't. Yep. Yep. It's a lifestyle, right? It's a lifestyle change. It's not just, it's not just, okay, you get the body that you want and then you just quit because then you're going to turn back into what you were previously. It's, it's literally something that you have to consistently build upon for the rest of your life because this is more of a lifetime journey rather than a one-time quick fix to get your six-pack abs. And a lot of YouTube videos nowadays, a lot of Instagram, just society in general likes to preach getting things quicker. And we see so many trends on, on videos saying like, look at my transformation in under a month. I did the, the, the most absurd ones are like, I did a hundred pushups for a month. Look at the changes in my body. <laughs> yeah, that's a joke. <laughs> and like Francis is such a, such a great example of this is, you know, you, you did that cut from 260 to 215 in 18 weeks. So mm-hmm. what's that months? Four five and months. a half months, five yeah, months. About four. Yeah. About about four and a half, five months. But yeah. the thing about it is he spent a decade of training to be able to get up to that that weight and that strength and that amount of muscle mass in order for him to cut down and start looking like Chris Hemsworth. You know, so <laughs> like and I think like you've done such a good job of on Twitter and the way you you know, promote what you, what you do of saying, this is the long game. It takes years and years and years of work for you to be able to do something like I did, like being able to drop that weight that fast. So that's a, it's a really important message to get across is a lot of, a lot of trainers online on Instagram, on everything show those, those cuts and those quick transitions, but they don't talk about the 10 years that they've built that training capacity to even be able to do that. And then they start selling stuff to brand new beginners, you know, that's, and it's completely, completely misleading and wrong for sure. Well, I'll just, I'll give you a bit of a, an insight into how much muscle mass you can probably add in a year. This is what you should expect as like a natural lifter. So about three years ago, before I started powerlifting, when I was about 22, 23, so I'm 26 now, when I was 23, so three years ago, I, I went on holiday and I got myself I got myself shredded and lean and I, I weighed 90 kilos, the same leanness as I was about five, six weeks ago. I was exactly the same leanness and I was 90 kilos and you can look the other week, I was 97 kilos and that's at the same leanness. So within three years, I've built, it put seven kilos of muscle mass on, which is about 14 pounds. That's over three years. If you break that down into three years, that's four or five pounds of muscle gained each year. That's probably what you can look to, to, to gain as a natural after you've sort of passed your first year or two of training. That's that's the sort of rates that you're looking at. You're not going to be gaining 14 pounds of muscle in a year. It took me three years to gain 14 pounds of muscle. That's that's the type of consistency that you're going to need. Yeah. Yeah, that's super important to keep in perspective. Um, like, for instance, I, I took a weight cut. This was this was actually for college athletics. Went from like 235 all the way down to like 185, 190. And it's been a like since I got done, that would have been three or four years ago. Like that 240 was not a good weight. It was man boobs, love handles, that kind of stuff, all the way down to lean. And then it's been a slow workup back to around 215, 
which is where I'm at now. But it's like that is that 215 now looks a heck of a lot better than it did on my way down. You know, the the body comp is way better. And I'm almost as lean as I was when I was like 190. So, you know, you just have to, it takes, it takes incredible amounts of time to see those progress again, like advanced, advanced lifters. They, they're lucky to gain a pound of muscle in a year. Right. So, yeah. yeah. How tall are you, Sam? Are you six, four? I'm six, four and two fifteen, which is right where you were, but you're like, so I, you know, I'm six, four, two fifteen and pretty strong but francis is six four and 215 and like ridiculously strong so that it looks <laughs> it looks completely different but yeah and then i'm over here five five ten just looking up at you guys <laughs> <laughs> wing wing 175 and eating 2.2 calories 2.2k calories when you guys are just downing like <laughs> over three <laughs> well yeah. i was dying on 2900 2900 and you were dying yeah, yeah diet, oh, dieting yeah oh man that was, that's that was my cutting calories i started on like 3000 and i ended up on 2900 so what yeah. was your maintenance calorie i think my maintenance was probably around 37 3800 around that so at the moment i'm because i'm trying to push me food i'm i'm well over 4000 at the moment 500 grams of carbs daily the good life yeah <laughs> so so what's your goal with the weight gain right now are you you're just, you said you're trying to build muscle and go slow yeah. um is this for is this for a meet so everything i'm doing is it's my old my old focus the last two to three years has been powerlifting so right now my plan is to just slowly slowly gain weight up until my next competition i don't know when that'll be to be honest with the whole covid situation there's all there's not many meets that are happening over here in the UK at the moment. And if there is any meets that are happening, they're all, they've all got strange regulations and rules. And it's just better to wait until the world is back to a bit more norm- normality instead of start thinking about meets. But because of, cause of, cause I was lean, you set yourself up to rebound out and reverse diet out and you, you, you're at a better body composition now to build more muscle. So that the next time I do weigh, 110 kilos or 240 i'm going to be a much better 240 than i was two years ago as sam was just saying before that's what happens so that's the plan it's just recomp up to about 110 kilos or 240 see where my body is at and then you can always utilize things like mini cuts i don't know if, you, if, you, if any of you ever tried a mini cut it's like a short aggressive fat loss phase about four to six weeks you've ever done one yep. of them yeah, you see, just, just the one I was essentially on. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's what I'll probably do. I'll get myself to 110. And if I do feel a bit fluffy or a little bit fat, that's fine. I'll spend four, four to six weeks and I'd easily get myself down to about 107 within a couple of weeks easily. So it's nothing to worry about. The hard thing is, is building muscle. It always has been. Yeah, yeah. Beginners can expect, over the first year, you can expect 10 pounds of muscle. But second year, third year... It, it, it it's always less and less every year yeah. but it's all part of the journey and you're you're losing fat along the way while you're building the muscle and sooner or later you'll realize that that you look a hundred times better if you built muscle along the way than worried about staying at a leanness for your entire life definitely and that's one thing i always notice with beginners 
because the the newbie gains within your first year, you can your your body composition just it changes drastically. Like you can build muscle and lose fat at the same time, so much more easier as a beginner. Like your your whole body composition just totally changes because you've went from doing absolutely no weight training, then once you start lifting a barbell and lifting some weights, your body just it doesn't know what to do. It just you absolutely you're shocking your body, and it just it does everything at once, doesn't it? It builds muscle and loses fat, but you can do that as a beginner. But as you get a bit more advanced, you you can't really do that. You see a lot of people who who preach these lean gains and the fucking they'll eat a hundred calories over the maintenance. Like good job doing that. Like you know you you're not gonna fucking get nowhere if you're eating a hundred calorie surplus. Like come on. Don't be scared to gain some fat. It's just, it's it's stupid what some people will do. It's because they're all scared to lose their abs. Fuck your abs. Abs don't mean nothing. You really don't. Yep. Yep. It's just, it's, it's bullshit. I'd much rather build some size and strength and see that my lifts are going up in the gym. This It's not an excuse to get fat. Just keep keep a bit of a lid on it. Gain, gain a little bit of weight. Don't get excessively fat. But don't be worried about your abs. It's about finding the, the, the fine balance of the in-between because then once you flick the switch and you want to get lean, it's so easy to do. People need to understand this, that getting lean is not hard, but building muscle is difficult. That takes time, and you should focus your time and effort on that. Can we talk a little bit, a little bit about goal setting and how you go about that? Because I know at least for powerlifting, you have a deadline that you have to get to this strength before this certain date. So how do you go about goal setting from the moment you enter in, into a meet, like just register into it until the meet day? So with powerlifting, it's, I don't really, I don't really set like numbers, goals, because you can get caught up on the numbers. So one of my goals at the moment is a, it is a 300 kilo deadlift, but that's that's not the, the sole intentional, intentional goal. I'm enjoying the process to get there. I love the process of going in the gym and deadlifting every week. Like I absolutely love deadlifts. Like, and if I get if I if I didn't hit 300 kilos, it doesn't matter to me because I'm just enjoying the process of going in and training every single week and doing what needs to be done. So I'd advise people to. It's good to have a little bit of an outcome goal. You've got a bit of an idea of what you want to hit, but don't be defined by your numbers. Just learn to embrace and enjoy the process. Show up every day in the gym. Do what needs to be done in regards to training and nutrition, recovery, sleep, everything. Just enjoy the process and don't focus too much on your outcome goals because you can get you can get bogged down by that. It's, it's not a good way to, to be. It's just living by numbers. I don't know what 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 do you think about that with in, in regards to setting numbers. You think people get caught up on it? I do. Sam, you want to, Sam, you want to go? Yeah, first? I a hundred percent think people get caught up in the numbers. Um, <clears throat> specific, specifically, like just using using myself as an example is. I remember, like a few years ago, I was dead set on benching three fifteen, so three plates. And so, what do you do? You I went overboard and was like trying to bench like four times a week and all that, you know, stupid stuff. You know, it doesn't work. You end up getting burnt out. Whereas, you know, so you have that number. So then you do something stupid for it. But if you have that number in your head and then you, like you said, you do the work, you show up every day, you have a intelligent plan to get there. 
then you can work your way up to that number, but not be in a such a huge hurry. I think we see that a lot with, you know, fat losses. I want to, I want to lose 30 pounds and I want to do it in two months. But if it's instead of looking at it like that, it's like, well, how, how strong can I get in the weight room? You know? So maybe I should get my lift numbers up. Like we've been saying, how much muscle can I build and not worry about those big benchmarks? What do you think, Kyle? No, I, I'm 100% on board with what you guys have to say. One thing I want to add is that a lot of beginners will be on a, like, let's say, six to 12 week program, just a strength muscle building program. And they don't see the end picture in the middle of a program. So let's say this is a 12 week program. And on week six, you, you feel like you're not doing something that's really heavy and you feel like you've got more to give. But the biggest thing you have to understand is that the programs are designed so that you're not going to burn out at week six. You're trying to build muscle so that you can get to your goals by week 12. So the biggest question I always get in week six, seven, eight is like, why, why am I not, why am not, why am I not lifting to my max, max capacity? Like, I feel like I'm not giving it up my hundred percent, but what you don't realize is that you're slowly building up to the point where by week 12, you will get to where you want to be. But it's just the patient game. You just have to be patient, wait, and it may not feel heavy now, but just know that you're building the right foundation to get to where you need to by the end of it. And that's that's like the strength building aspect of of what we're talking about, about trusting the process. And it applies to both losing weight or losing fat and building muscle. Uh, I agree totally with you. Like one of the best analogies I like to use is that every training session and every meal that I eat, everything I do, it's it's laying a new brick. It's just brick by brick. That's what I say. I tell that to myself every day. That's like a little mantra I have: brick by brick. And that, it might sound weird, but that's what works for me. Yep. Yeah, and you and you slowly do everything day by day, just yeah. like a brick by brick. That's it. It's important to get your mobility in. You may not like it, but you've you've got to do all the small steps to get to where you want because all those things, like getting your eight hours of sleep, um, eating the right meals, eating eating the right amount of calories, that all adds up to get to where you want to be. You can't just be training and living like complete garbage, living a completely garbage lifestyle, but you're spending an hour in the gym four times a week. You can't expect to hit your goals if you're not giving yourself enough rest or recovery along the way. Um, like just a simple mistake I made was trying to cut while building strength and I had ambitions to get stronger. But obviously, if you're putting yourself at a caloric deficit, you don't have enough energy to be pushing the numbers you want to be pushing around. So for any beginners that are wondering about that, you have to lay the foundation right. And that's why we stress upon it all the time to get your sleep, to get your meals in, because it's bigger than getting into the gym and getting your lifts in. Your lifts will will feel stronger if you give yourself the rest and recovery you need. Definitely. One thing I would like to say just, just on that, that topic is that I don't know what you think about this, but I think sometimes it's, it's, it's just as important to be able to have balance in your life where you do allow times to enjoy yourself. You don't just want to because I've been down this rabbit hole of where everything is about training. 
absolutely everything is about training. I, I used to be, this is years ago, I used to, I'd, I'd have to eat every three hours, you know, stupid shit like that. And I'd be wary of going out for, going out with friends or certain occasions because I was worried about eating foods and recovery and how it affect my gym performance. Like that's, that's the level, that's the unhealthy levels that I can get to when you become obsessed. I don't know if any of you have ever experienced that, but I'm much better at managing it now. And I do think it's for, for any new lifters or anyone getting into the gym, it's it's always important to have time to just detach and, you know, take your mind off training. And do you know what I'm saying with that? I don't know if you've had any experience with that. Yeah, I've never really gone overboard, but you you do feel the benefits of doing that. Just mm. I haven't really gone to that distance. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't necessarily with my actual like training in the weight room, but as a as a college pitcher, I definitely understood that. Like everything I did every day revolved around throwing a baseball hard, you know? So, it's the same thing with like lifting. You you have to take into account your your training in the weight room, you have to take into account your recovery, you have to take into account mobility, everything. So, it's really easy to get ex- um really really into it to the point where it's unhealthy and you're you know blowing off your friends you're blowing off your family you're blowing off responsibility other responsibilities just for that so being able to step back a little bit and go have some fun instead of worrying about the the training only is a big key yeah definitely is there anything you'd like to add to talk about for this podcast Ooh, where can we start? Trying to think. Something you want to get off your chest. <laughs> Just kind of like the carbs thing. Carbs, yeah. keto, anything, man. Let's yeah, yeah. Supplement. Fun stuff. supplements. I have got one for you, and then we can get into supplements. Um, anonymous accounts on Twitter giving lifting advice. That needs to stop. <laughs> if you can't post any videos of yourself lifting or any physique photos or anything, if you have to hide behind, hide behind a fucking statue of a Greek god and say that you're fucking alpha, you're full of shit. Simple as. <laughs> yeah. Stuff that annoys me. Especially like, are, you you know Shane? Uh, yeah. Dungeon deadlifts. <laughs> like he. Yeah. There was one of those bigger anonymous accounts that literally got hurt doing like 135 pound squats or whatever. But this person sells exercise programs and sells all this stuff. So to all of the listeners out there, be very careful of who you're paying attention to and who you're taking advice from and who you're buying programs from, because you need to have some skin in the game. Like, you know, not, not every coach has to deadlift a million pounds like Francis does, but like the, just be able to say that your coach has been under the bar. He's lost weight. He's gained weight. He's done you know, something besides hide behind a fucking Greek statue, (laughs) you know, Uh, calling himself alpha. It's ridiculous. It is. It annoys me. And it's, 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 that's what gives people, you know, when people are selling eBooks and programs, that's what gives it a bad name. It's these, it's these anonymous shitbags who are doing it. They're the ones who are giving everyone a bad name because there's, there's some good coaches on Twitter. There's a lot of good people. We were selling ebooks on the building the business, which is fine. But there's these little scumbags who were hiding behind an anonymous account. They fucking I haven't got a clue about lifting. They're just hiding behind some bullshit profile, probably robbing sweets. So like Alex deadlift. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you know, it's just it's scumbag behavior, and especially 
when you've got some new lifter who doesn't really know what's going on, you can get sucked in and lured in by these profiles, and that's that needs to go. Yeah, yeah, you have to follow the journey of somewhere that somebody's actually gone. You can't like that's the issue with anonymous accounts is that you don't actually know where they are and how they got to if if they did actually progress how they got to where they they are now from where they previously were the biggest part about hiring someone or knowing where to buy the proper content off of right the the right programs the right nutrition all that stuff you have to kind of understand that they went through what you went through in the past because if you're buying from an anonymous account that has no story behind it how how can you trust that how can you trust that? Because exactly. you can get the same information on Google that you can from this individual. And maybe this individual is actually just going on Google and searching up beginner workout programs and literally just copy pasting that and sending it to you. Most probably. And probably yeah, yeah, probably. But they don't know what they're saying. And even if you get that program, like, I'm going to say it will work because beginners will build muscle no matter what they do. <laughs> Yeah, but in terms of getting the right advice, you're not going to the right people for that. Yeah, exactly. The the anonymous accounts, like they they a lot of them get stuck on the wrong things, like you know, fasting is the key, or you need to take zinc, magnesium, blah blah blah, <laughs> or you're gonna yep. die. And no if you're not doing it, then you're semen not alpha. Semen retention, like. <laughs> what, all this shit? what are you talking about like Bollocks. that doesn't make there any sense like i'm gonna go up to my girlfriend and say for the next month i'm gonna retain my <laughs> semen she's gonna be like what the hell are you talking about you idiot yeah like no yeah so it's just like and those those accounts with... go ahead go ahead Francis. well i had this conversation with shane in dungeons and deadlifts on twitter i think it was about three or four days ago we were talking about anonymous accounts and I, I just I said to him, said, well, if these anonymous accounts were so big and were so strong and knew everything about lifting, well, why don't they, they, they reveal their face and lift some uh, and post some videos of them lifting or whatever? Because if they're that good, it's only going to give them more credibility. Just, you know what I mean? So it just it, it instantly raises red flags to me as if someone is hiding something. And it's just trying to scam people because if you're if you're claiming you can do all this stuff and why why aren't you showing people? It's uh, why would someone come to you and buy programs if you can't have some skin in the game and show people what you do? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, and if if they're so worried about hiding their face, then just blur out your face in the video. It's not a big deal. Even if you're squatting, you don't have to take a front front shot, right? You don't have to show your face. You can literally do it from behind. Same thing with deadlifts bench you can't even really see the guy's face so like yeah why why don't you just show a video of yourself lifting exactly. yeah at least you'll be able to show something so and let's see what what other what other great topics have we been getting in on twitter um I, I like the i like the standards one uh like the how much should you lift ah there we before go before you're you're considered an expert or whatever what are your thoughts on those like body weight ratio stuff? Funnily enough, I, I was I was tagged in a post yesterday. I think his name's Seth. I don't know his second name. I don't know if you know who I'm on. Yeah, about. I know. Exactly. Yeah, 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 Seth. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think he's a nurse, or he's um he's training to be a nurse. I think. Yep. Yep. 
but he, he knows his shit. He's a he's a good dude on Twitter. So he tagged me yesterday in like a um a bo- like a body weight strength ratio standards that everyone a minimum standards that everyone should have. But off the top of my head, I, I can't I can't remember what it was. But they can be fine them strength standards. But I think sometimes you need to realise that everyone is built differently and everyone has got different leverages and biomechanics. So, for example. I'm built to deadlift. I've got long arms and a short torso. I'm not so much built to bench press. So a bench press ratio might not favour me where a deadlift ratio might. But them ratios do not take into account a person's body shape. And that's what you need to be aware of. So I don't like them as a black or white matter for you must hit this thing standard to be considered an expert or a novice or an intermediate. I don't really really like them that much. I don't know what you think. I like how you said, like you kind of gave the reason to why because everyone has their strengths and weaknesses. That that's that's a big reason to why. So Sam, you wanna you wanna answer that? Like, what do you think about it? Yeah, my my opinion on it is just because just because somebody can squat eight hundred pounds doesn't mean that they have the knowledge or the ability to teach a you know forty year old soccer mom who just comes into the gym how to properly squat or how to properly deadlift sure they might be an elite level athlete and they've done the right things to get there but do they actually know what it takes to progress those things you know so but just having the most important thing for a coach and what beginners should be looking for in in their coach is that they have some sort of skin in the game whether it's you know they they have to know what it feels like to get under a bar that they're not sure that they can actually lift. You know, they need to they need to know what it feels like to progress lifts for a couple a few years at a time. Like that those are some of the base requirements, but when it comes to strength standards, I don't think that's like does a 500 should you only get a coach who can squat 500 pounds? Well, maybe maybe there is a 500 plus pound squatter but does he know how to teach it as well as the guy who can squat you know 375 or whatever you know so it's like there's there's a lot of there's a lot of things that you have to consider right there in my opinion yeah exactly you see it you see it in powerlifting like especially over here in the uk that some of the strongest lifters they try to coach but they're not the best coaches they don't understand people it's not. It, there's more to coaching than just sending someone a program and you've got to do five by five on back squat today and blah blah. There's there's more to it than that. It's actually understanding the person as a human and being able to interact with them, understanding their leverages, and biomechanics, and what works for them. It's not just you don't just write them a program and that's it. There's a lot of factors to take into account. You know, certain people can manage different volumes. I've got different. Um, fatigue tolerances for certain intensities whatever you've got to be able to understand this and have feedback with your lifter yeah 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 so on that body weight stuff i i don't like them at all just because of that like the i I thought of it more on francis's perspective more than yours sam as in like you need to hit x to be a coach um i just don't understand why where you get those ratios from or where you get those numbers from and where people even base them off of because like are you are you basing it off of yourself or are you basing it off of like a relative strength of like average people um like for example my bench is like my strongest lift relative to my squat deadlift but 
when it comes to like my overhead press, my overhead press sucks compared to those. Okay, everyone's overhead press sucks, you know. This is the worst lift, isn't it? It's the worst lift. I feel. I, I'm sure you feel the same way, Francis. It feels like it has to go up a mile. Uh, like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's. It's. I've got. I've got like the wingspan of an albatross. The same. same. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, some people just have stronger or weaker lifts relative to others because of their mechanics, their biomechanics, their, their, what is it called? Like their hip length, their, their torso length, all that stuff where people don't really take into account when they talk about ratios of how strong you, you should be before being an expert or whatever. So yeah, I I don't really like those body weight ratios. I kind of, I kind of cringe a little bit whenever I see them because I feel like it's, it's gatekeeping people gatekeeping people from a certain community because they didn't hit those numbers yeah let's let's chat let's chat on some some supplements because we see that all over twitter too you know like you've got to take you got to take what are the popular ones zinc vitamin d blah 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 magnesium magnesium, blah 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 it's like motherfucker you can't you don't even train you or sleep well or do anything well so why are we worrying about that (laughs) but what's your what's your take on that the only the only supplements that I that I use and I'd recommend would be a whey protein powder if you struggle to eat your food. If you if you work a job or your lifestyle doesn't suit actually having actual protein feedings from actual steak or chicken or actual you know food sources, if you struggle to hit your protein targets, a whey protein powder can be quite feasible and a good little option. That's one supplement. And the second supplement I, I use and I don't recommend scientifically proven to work, it's creatine. And that's it. I'd pick creatine and whey protein and everything else can just go in the bin as far as I'm concerned. And this is th- like that it. was coming from a very high-level power lifter right there. That creatine, protein, and everything else can get thrown away, which is some Definitely. pretty solid advice and goes against the grain of a lot of stuff that you see online. What yeah, and just to add, you don't even. Oh, sorry to cut you off, Francis. What oh, were you going to say? I was going to say, what what do you think in, in regards to supplements? What what do you use yourself? Exact same thing, but I don't even take creatine that often. Uh, protein powder, I don't I don't really take as well because I I just eat more meat, yeah. <laughs> so I don't have to worry about that. But one thing that I do supplement that has nothing to do with lifting and getting stronger is just vitamin D, just because I live in Canada and. In the winters, there's literally no sun, so I'll, I'll supplement on supplement on vitamin D's just for, just to keep my energy levels at a decent level when, the the sky goes dark at like five p.m. It's the same here, to be honest, in, in Liverpool. But just just to play devil's advocate with this, I always used to take vitamin D, but for the past three to four months, I just haven't. I haven't bothered with it, and I feel no different. So, I know that's just my personal yeah. opinion. That's you know what I mean. That's the thing is. I've dabbled in the vitamin D and I've taken like ZMA before. So zinc, magnesium, whatever, but I didn't, I never felt a single hint of difference in anything. You know, so I think a lot of that, you're just buying those pills and then you're stacking it on top of the food that you're eating. And if you're eating well and eating all sorts of different sources of stuff, then you should be pretty good on your vitamins. Yeah, but definitely. Yeah. I think yeah, Sam, Sam, what, what supplements do you usually take? Right now, let's see. I do 
keep whey around. Not very, don't use it very often because I try and get everything from real food. You know, a lot of red meat, a lot of eggs, a lot of wild game meats, that kind of thing. Um, and then obviously getting carbs from proteins and rice and mix in fruits and vegetables. I am not afraid of fruit. Unlike <laughs> a lot yeah. of people thinking fruit's going to make them fat. That is one that you're going to see online that is completely wrong as well. That one frustrates me to no, no end. What do you guys think? Fruit is rocker fuel. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, well, one thing, you don't like bananas, do you, Sam? I, I just I don't love- like bananas. <laughs> God. I love them. <laughs> and it's an, it's not the thing that you know people think don't like bananas because they're packed full of sugar or whatever. That's not why. It's just I don't like the taste or feeling of bananas taste, yeah. in my mouth. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm just not a fruits guy, really. Uh, like I, I just don't like any fruits, really. Like I I don't mind them, but I won't go out of my way to eat them. So when it comes to like micros or whatever, I I just usually eat veggies because. I don't know if you guys have ever tried any Chinese veggies, but like they are a hundred times better than broccoli, cauliflower, all that. I'm not going to call it garbage, but it does not taste good. Like (laughs) Brussels sprouts, that stuff does not taste good. But like um, bok choy, I know Denzel has that often. Like I I love Chinese veggies. That stuff is, that stuff is real good. Mm. Yeah. Broccoli, nasty stuff. But other than that, like, I'm a I'm pretty big into caffeine because I love my coffee. So I guess you could say caffeine is a supplement. Usually it'll do something like that pre workout, whether it's espresso or a cup of coffee. Or there's just a lot of there's a lot of scary things in like pre workout caffeine supplements. So I try and keep it as natural as possible. But yeah, yeah. One thing I want to add is that all three of us we just mentioned that we don't even supplement that much. Like protein powder, we take it sometimes creatine we take it but those are the only two things you hear all three of us say and for any beginners that are just worrying about the supplement stuff you don't even have to worry about it because all three of us have pretty much said that we don't even take it ourselves or we rarely take it so don't think that supplements will be the game changer in ter- in terms of building muscle or, or gaining weight because it, it truly isn't it truly isn't your main priority is focusing on what you eat and how you sleep and everything else is secondary. Definitely. Fully agree with that. Focus on getting plenty of steak and less protein powder. Go for that. Much yeah. better. Yep. And take all the money that you would spend on fat burners and detoxes and supplements and spend that money on a good quality coach or a good quality gym membership or real food, you know, steak potatoes, rice, all the good food, spend your money on that instead of, I think I mentioned it with Marcus, like all those BCAAs and all that stuff is just expensive urine, you know? Yep. So, and yeah. What was that word you use? Some, some type of urine? Expensive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Bullshit <laughs> yeah. in it, BCAAs. <laughs> yeah. I remember, I, remember, I think I put a tweet out about, it must've been a couple of months back. I said BCAAs are the most wasted supplements or overhyped supplement whatsoever and i had all strength and conditioning coaches coming for me neck saying that it's, it's good into the warehouse and all this and there's always people who take a tweet and they take they don't they don't they don't take into the um, account the nuances and they try and fine pick and nitpick the everything out of a tweet like i i've only got so many characters like i'm not gonna go into detail but absolutely 
fucking everything on to BCAAs, but I don't know. Do you know what I mean? That that's the problem with Twitter yeah. sometimes. Yeah, people, they, yeah. People, people take everything out of context. Well, actually, or something like that. You know, like <laughs> shut up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like you you got to write an entire thread just explaining yeah. your point when some things you just want to say with one sentence. Yeah, I know. I'm getting to the point where I've, I'm starting to ignore a lot more people and just block them instantly now because I can't be bothered <laughs> like talking to them. Like, because uh, on every tweet now, there's most Twitter's a great place. Majority, ninety-five percent of people are positive and just want to interact and want to learn. But you get the odds idiot who just wants to take your tweet out of context and try and twist your words and just it's just that's a sad way to be. And I just block them instantly. Yep. So yeah, Same. stay away from me. I've been able to go in, if you go into your settings and muting notifications from people who don't follow, who don't follow you or you don't follow them or something along those lines, that's been a big game changer for me. Cause so I, I would miss a lot of those comments of people taking stuff out of context, but yeah. Anyway, we're over an hour, so we probably better wrap it up. Francis, I know you, after your, you posted your transformation there a little bit you blew up and started seeing a lot of inquiry on online coaching and you've got a couple ebooks available so where can our listeners find that stuff so if you go onto my twitter profile which is at coach fhm there's, there's a link at the top a link tree which has got an online application form for online coaching if you want to fill that out i can get in touch with you and I've, i'm also about to release a, a fat loss ebook which i've called um what have I called it? From fluffy to fluffy, fluffy to ripped in eighteen weeks. That was it. Kyle gave me the idea for that. So I'm gonna. I think you said chubby to ripped, wasn't it, Kyle? That's you said that. something like that. I, I can't I'm, remember. I think I'm gonna go with fluffy to ripped. But yeah, that's it's got some good, good uh, tips that I've learned from over these years of it and experience of, with training. So there's a, there's a good good bit of information in there for people that you 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 can you can take and utilize with your training. Yeah, really good stuff there. And I, I definitely encourage everybody to, if you don't follow Francis or never heard of him, go look him up, look at that transformation that he's di- that he's done and, you know, follow along because he does give out some of the uh, most direct and most direct advice on Twitter. There's literally zero bullshit coming from his account. So it's just a great follow to have for sure. Yeah, for sure. If you guys enjoyed this episode of Ground Zero Fitness Podcast, please feel free to leave a comment or a rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to. Leave a rating for us and tell us how you enjoyed it. Thank you so much for listening once again. Have a nice day, everybody.